0: We're going to open up the Bible now, I'm just going to empty my pockets, and uh, we're going to be continuing in Nehemiah this morning, which is good, and... uh we're actually we're going to be starting a brand new series, but uh, we're delaying that a couple of weeks and we're just going to continue through Nehemiah. We've reached chapter 6 uh, and this morning we're going to look, well actually we've reached chapter, we're going to look at chapter 7 this morning. So last week, if you were here, we looked at chapter 5 and I unpacked a bit, a couple of things as to how we travel right into 2022 what does it look like as followers of Jesus to travel right and uh, there's a few things that we can do in terms of traveling right into uh, the year and uh, way back last year Cherry looked at chapter six Uh, so we're kind of been bouncing about a bit and Cherry looked at Perseverance, when opposition comes, we read through Nehemiah when he was on this rebuild project for the walls of Jerusalem. Opposition was coming and distractions were coming and that can be a challenge. And uh, we've reached Nehemiah 7 this morning. So if you've got your Bibles or your smartphones, get your Bible app open and also it'll be on the screen as well behind me. There's 73 verses in this chapter, so we're going to be here a wee while. uh, I'm joking, that was a wee joke there, just to check we're listening. Uh, (laughs) We're going to read 1 to 5, and then uh, what we read after that is a list of the exiles that have returned home, and then we're going to pick up in verse 73. I'm going to pray before we read God's Word. Lord, we just thank you for your Word, and we pray that it would deposit life and light and hope into Our hearts this morning. Would you breathe on the words that are uh, spoken, the things that are unpacked, may it be your words, into our situations, into our circumstances this morning. Pray for specifics, pray for miracles, pray for healing Lord this morning. Would you mend hearts this morning, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, chapter 7, and we're going to start at verse 1. After the wall had been rebuilt, and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed I put put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. I said to him, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. While the gatekeepers are still on duty, make them shut the doors and bar them. Also appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards." Some at their posts and some near their own houses. Now the city was large and spacious, but there were few people in it. And the houses had not yet been rebuilt. So my God put it in my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials and the common people for registration by families. I found the genealogical records of those who had been first to return. And then he lists... Uh, those list of re- exiles who had returned, and then if we fast forward to verse seventy-three, so after that uh, list, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the temple servants, along with the certain, along with certain of the people, along with certain of the people, and the rest of the Israelites settled in their own towns. Amen. Amen. There is a. Uh, one city in Scotland that I love probably more, well, I love Inverness most, of course, but visiting, I mean, out with Inverness, I love going to Edinburgh. Does anybody love just visiting Edinburgh? Yes, there's a lot of people that love Edinburgh. It's such a great city. We got to go in October for a little weekend thanks to friends, and we crossed the new Forth Road Bridge and it was at night time. What an amazing! architectural site. I felt like I was entering a spaceship with all the lights and just a beautiful, beautiful building, uh, building work. And I looked over at the old bridge and uh, here's a picture of the old bridge. That's me and Mary uh, back in <laughs> It isn't really. It isn't really. This is actually a couple in 1905 with the old bridge behind them and it reminded me, a a friend told me about the Fourth Road Bridge when it was first constructed up until 2011. They had to continually paint it. Uh, It's 2.5 kilometers long and the bridge actually opened in 1890 so once they reached the end of the bridge in terms of painting it uh, and they maybe thought, can you imagine this, just imagine this the first time they're like, ah it's all painted, it's finished. Excellent. Let's mark the moment. Let's have a little glass or something. And then their boss calls them in. You're going to have to start again. You're going to have to start again. You need to start the painting again. Uh, That would have been gutting. (laughs) But if they never, if they never, it would have corroded. It would have weakened. Its structural integrity would have been compromised if it was just left. The bridge always was being exposed to the elements the Scottish elements, and it needed care and attention. Always, it needed people to always be alert. It was like a, a repaint to remain kind of project. Always having a paintbrush in their hands, never being finished, but knowing it's needed to keep it intact and to keep people connected in the city and to keep people moving. And I think that bridge project a lot like the wall project in Nehemiah 7 and it's a lot like our journey as followers of Jesus. We want the things that are being rebuilt in this season to remain, to stand strong in the future storms. And for us, the project, for us as Jesus followers, the project always continues. We're never a finished project until we reach heaven's gates and we see in Nehemiah 7 the wall is rebuilt. We read that at the very beginning of the chapter. It's great news. It's great news. But what happens next is really, really important. How does it stay rebuilt? How does it stay secure? How does it remain? How does it remain? You can imagine it, can't you? Uh, Nehemiah has been given this heart for the rebuild project and it's done. But he's then thinking, how do we get life within these walls? How do we keep these walls secure? How do we make sure that, there's, that if attack comes, we're ready? How do we for us each one of us take the rubble of the last two years and rebuild our relationships our lives our walks with Jesus how do we strengthen those stakes so that the rebuild remains how do we make sure it remains for the long haul. I want to, for a very short time, focus on the opening verses of Nehemiah 7. Just those first couple of versions, verses, which I think gives us a really simple and a profound direction in our In our lives in this season. Uh, So let me read these verses again. After the wall had been rebuilt and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God uh, more than most people did. We have Nehemiah at this very moment that the wall is rebuilt. He appoints gatekeepers He appoints musicians, and he appoints Levites. I'm going to take this scarf off. I'm getting rather hot. There we go. And also, his brother Hanani is coming in to take responsibility. So a couple of things on these verses. First thing is keep watch. Keep watch. A reporter was interviewing an old man on his 100th birthday, and he asked him, what are you most proud of? And the man replied, well, I don't have an enemy in the world. And the reporter replied, what a beautiful thought. How inspirational, said the reporter. And the man replied, yep, I've outlived every last one of them. (laughs) We should not rely on simply outliving our enemies, but keeping watch and putting measures in place to protect ourselves and protect our lives. Jesus said in John 10, verse 10, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. There is an enemy. Nehemiah has seen this time and time again in the rebuild project as we read through the chapters previous with Sambala and Tobiah. The wall is complete, and uh, that should mean an end perhaps, but actually uh, we need to keep our guard up. Uh, Nehemiah's guard could have dropped at that point. The project is finished, but there is a thief ready to rob joy, ready to chip away at the wall, ready to undermine, ready to doubt, ready to shake us, ready to destroy dreams, to kill hope, to take us when we are uh, celebrating. There is an enemy who d- despises that, who doesn't like that. Nehemiah knew this, and the first on his list to appoint when the wall is rebuilt, was the gatekeepers, the gatekeepers. Now the gatekeepers are significant, it's significant that these were the first group of people mentioned. Gatekeepers would protect, they would look out for threats, they, uh, they, they would be just on the lookout, on the lookout, always alert. And it's significant because before business and life can be restored within the four walls, they needed to keep watch of an invasion. Nehemiah didn't want uh, any sniff of attack to infiltrate the next steps. If you were to ignore the gatekeepers, if you were to disregard their needs, attack was pretty much a a foregone conclusion. Destruction would be pretty much inevitable. And as Nehemiah appointed gatekeepers, I believe so should we. Uh, John Bunyan in the book, The Holy War, he speaks of our lives uh, appointing gatekeepers and the gatekeepers he mentions, there's five key ones, are the ear gate, the eye gate, the mouth gate, the nose gate and the feel gate. Five gates that must be guarded, gates that determine how we interact with the world. I wonder how if our gates are, have gatekeepers this morning. I wonder how those five things are this morning. I wonder where we need to ask the Lord to help us to appoint heavenly guards and you know angelic protection over those gates. I wonder where we've let the enemy chip away at something that the Lord has built. I wonder what feels a bit broken and under attack this morning. I want to just pray over us as a church family this morning. Uh, Let's pray just very, very quickly. Lord, I just want to say enemy retreat. I want to say enemy retreat. And we want to appoint gatekeepers this morning. Your heavenly gatekeepers over our ear gate, our eye gate, our mouth gate, our nose gate, our feel gate. Lord, Holy Spirit, would you do that? And we do, we declare that. Enemy, you have no place. You have no place where you have snuck in, where you're chipping away at walls, where you're trying to bring destruction into our, into our lives, Lord. We say, enemy, stop. You have no place. And we speak the name of Jesus over our lives and our gates this morning. Amen. Amen. Second Samuel 22, 3, verse 4 says, My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. We do that this morning. We use those verses and we declare, Lord, we want to keep watch this morning. So keep watch. Secondly, keep worshiping. We see after the gatekeepers, the musicians are mentioned. When the wall is rebuilt, we're going to appoint gatekeepers, we're going to appoint musicians. And you know, it's something to sing songs of worship to God when things are going well, but to sing songs of worship to God when things are under attack, there's something incredibly powerful in that. (laughs) I remember, uh, I I can't remember... When it, when it was here or i just remember one week in particular a few it was perhaps a few years ago it was quite a rubbish week <laughs> where i was feeling quite inadequate i was uh, having a rough night's sleep i think the car had broken i think the lawnmower wouldn't start i think our youngest actually was in and out of hospital as well and i remember coming to church one morning and emma you were singing that song surrounded uh, it made it may feel like I'm surrounded. I'm not gonna get you to sing it, it's okay. It may feel like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And just at that moment, it'd been tough, but that picture of coming into that space and feeling surrounded and feeling inadequate and feeling tired and feeling under attack, to sing that song in that moment, I didn't feel like singing that song, but to sing that song, it may feel like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you was incredibly, incredibly powerful for me in my walk. To re, uh, just remind me, remind me that God is with me. To make sure that what is rebuilt remains out of this season, we must cultivate and create spaces to worship in every season, in every season. And sometimes it's a choice. Well, actually, all the time it's a choice. But our choice is often, uh, can be driven by feelings. Worship is a constant in God's people through persecution, through rough seasons, through oppression, through heartbreak and heartaches. And we are a people, as a movement, as a vineyard movement, we're hungry for him because as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. As we draw near to him, he draws near to us. We are to be a people who turn up in worship in the triumphs, but also the trenches, in the highs, but also the heartaches. A posture of our hearts. And there's nothing that compares to his presence. There's nothing. There's nothing that we can do that compares to his presence. And uh, we see worship as a... a a really important value in the life of our church and actually in the rebuild to remain season for nehemiah it was a really important value in that season for him Nehemiah 8, as we look forward in this book, Nehemiah 8, we see a response to the law of Moses being read by Ezra. And what do they do? They worship. There's a response in worship. In Nehemiah 9, there's a repentance moment after worship. So they're worshiping together and they're realizing, gosh, they're just mindful of their own sin. sin. And to come to the Lord and to, to say sorry, to repent. There's a real repentance moment in Nehemiah 9. They're realizing their lives aren't lining up to God's plans and purposes. And as I was reading that, and we may look at that in some future weeks, but I just felt that, Lord, would we see a greater space for repentance in in this space as we meet, for saying sorry, for coming to our knees and remembering God's grace and mercy and His holiness and His love for us, that this would be a space for that as well, to walk out of this space and know that we are free That we are free, that we are forgiven. And then in Nehemiah 12, we see choirs and songs filling the city. I was thinking, maybe we need a community choir as a church. Get out into the city. What a picture. But our songs are to fill the city. John Wimber, who is one of the founders of the Vineyard Movement, he used to say, show me where you spend your time, money, and energy, and I'll show you what you worship. How are we answering that this morning? Let's not just take a slice of the Sunday pie for the week ahead, but let's use this as a catalyst into our weeks. How do we worship in our weeks? Let's set alarms, let our, let's let our lives be an offering. Let's set little calendar things, it's time to worship. Let me just take some time in my day to worship, to give thanks to God. Sometimes I would be in my car and I'd get a bit carried away and you'd stop at the lights in the car next to me. One guy was just staring at me and I'm like giving it loudly. I'm sure he could probably hear me. Hands were off the wheel at one point. I wasn't, I was at lights. <laughs> what's going on in there? Just getting time to worship. The car's brilliant for that. You don't want to hear me when I'm giving it loudly. But what's our space in the week to worship, to give it all to the Lord? Keep worshiping, keep listening. Now, uh, I think if I wasn't leading a church, and uh, I think I would be a teacher. I think that's what I would want to be. Uh, it was the one thing that I used to create every barrier to doing what I'm doing now. So uh, when God was calling me into this, I would meet with people and I'd go, well, I think I have to do my teaching training for a year before I go into this, or I think I'll work part-time as a teacher before I go into this. I think te- I'd be a great teacher. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Every time, but God had other plans, and, and here we are. And uh, I, think I, would be, I think I would be a pretty good teacher. You know, I, I think I'd be okay. I think I'd, I think I'd be okay. And as I reflect, I had some amazing teachers. I had some amazing teachers. Teachers who believed in me. Teachers who encouraged me. Teachers who noticed me. Teachers where it wasn't just a job. They wanted the best for me. And that was seen by me even at a very young age, and I so appreciate it. And actually, is there any teachers here? Put your hands up. Look around. Lord, we just pray blessing over our teachers in this room. And we just thank you for them, and we thank you for where you positioned them. And we just pray your presence would come in their classrooms. They would see you more in the day-to-day. And we just thank you for all the kids that they speak life and light into. We pray you'll give them strength for the situations and stories that break their hearts, Lord. And I pray that they would be carriers, thank you that they are carriers of hope. Carriers of hope. We love them, we honor them, we want to support them and we say thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. On the flip side, I also seen teachers, for whatever reason, they were done. It was the countdown to retirement. The spark was gone. The joy tank was empty. And it was Groundhog Day, tick box, battle through to 3 p.m. kind of teacher. And you could notice that too as a youngster. But what I like about Nehemiah here is that he did a work and he can let it go. We read in, chapter, in verse 2. I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani. This was Hanani, the very person in chapter one who came to Nehemiah to tell him about the walls of Jerusalem. He broke the news, and he's the very person to then take charge of Jerusalem. Nehemiah knew when to go, he knew when to step down, and he knew when his job was done. I love that. I love that. He could have stayed on. He could have looked for status. He could have looked for recognition. He could have looked for stature. But the minute the assignment had been completed, he laid it down and he said, what next, Lord? And I just want to say, recognize that and say we love that. And we want to be a church that model that really well. And model that by keeping listening. By keeping listening. Are we taking time to hear of the Lord? Are we taking time to commune with him and ask for more of his heart and his direction in our lives? In our context, in our jobs, in our location. And one of our key values as a church is adventure. We came to here, here to Inverness because we want an adventure. We want to live an adventure with Jesus and that comes about from listening to him. And when he says go we go. When he says stop, we stop. When he says start, we start. When he says move, we move. Or maybe I try to put other jobs in the way and go, (laughs) maybe later. And we stick to it, even when the temptation is to get comfy and be the groundhog tech box battle through to 3 p.m. kind of Jesus follower. I just don't think that's the kind of disciple that Jesus had in mind when he wants us to be light and life and hope to our city. And I want to encourage us to be a people who keep listening. So what we're holding on to just now in whatever context, Lord, I'm listening. Here I am. Here I am. And then finally, keep connected. I'm going to say something controversial here. I still like Zoom. There's a few people going oh is it time to leave <laughs> don't say that word in here as i reflect it's such a blessing though uh, i did have quite an important meeting a couple of months ago and i put a mustache filter on me and Mary, and i couldn't get it off and we had to leave the call <laughs> and i had to reinstall zoom so it did have it draw- its drawbacks uh, but the time for zoom is dwindling now it still has a place and a space, but it's time for, to reinvite people back into our lives. We need that. We see in Nehemiah the walls have been rebuilt, and I'm struck by verse 4. Now the city was large and spacious, but there was few people in it, and the houses had not yet been rebuilt. The walls had been rebuilt, but there was no life within it. And you know, the danger is that we come out of this season, these two years, having rebuilt a heap of stuff and having large and spacious places with no people in it. And we aren't made for that. I want to encourage us as we leave here this morning to put plans in place to reconnect intentionally with people. Obviously, at a stage where you feel safe to do so. But the danger is, and this is a very real danger, that we live in a place of fear. We have been so gripped by fear these last two years. And it's marked us, and there's remnants of that, that we need to surrender to Jesus. We are not people of fear. So can I urge us, what does that look like? What does that look like for friends? What does it look like to eat together? What does it look like to resurrect I wrote, like, drinks with the girls. What does it look like to resurrect time with work colleagues? It's not just a church thing. We got the game Connect Four at Christmas, and eh, it's good fun. My boys keep beating me. But eh, sometimes you can play that game, and there's a move that happens that you've just never seen. Four are connected, and then you lose, thanks to my boys, and they're very smug about it. But I wonder, what are those connections that we need to remember again? What are those connections that we need to remember again? Who are the people that have been lost? Who are the people that we've just not seen? Where does invitation figure in our lives? The walls being rebuilt were no good in Jerusalem without a beating heart and beating life, life happening. And rebuilding out of this season, we risk missing out and suffering further without connection with people we love. I just want to close with this. The worship guys could come up, George Now You want to come up and get ready. Uh, the Greeks had a race in their Olympics, in their, their Olympic Games that were unique. The winner was not the runner who finished first. It was the runner that finished with their torch still lit. I want to run all the way with the flame of my torch still lit for him and I believe these things will help us. For me in this past two years there's been times it's been barely a flicker but I want it to still be lit. Keep watch, keep worshipping, keep listening, keep connected.